Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new monthly edition of the Capital Ideas Podcast. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes today. American Funds Distributors, Inc. Do you love Elon Musk? Do you hate Elon Musk? Do you have no idea what to think about Elon Musk? Then we have just the show for you. He's become even more larger than life. Buying Twitter doesn't get us closer to Mars. They are like really close to the edge of like everything falling apart. Like, oh, Elon, I volunteer, put a chip in my brain. Each week on this podcast, we'll break down, analyze and debate the most important stories on Musk and his empire. It's all one big universe. You just work for Elon Inc. From Bloomberg Businessweek, this is Elon Inc. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Bloomberg Daybreak Europe, weekday mornings at 6 a.m. on London DAB Digital Radio and on demand via the Bloomberg Business app and BloombergRadio.com. We're joined now in studio by the economy, Andrew Sentence, former member of the Bank's Monetary Policy Committee, now senior advisor at Cambridge Econometrics. Good morning to you. Thank you for being with us on Bloomberg Radio. I'm interested to how much you might think. We had this new data out in the UK this morning showing slower than expected growth in July is a delay to a rate decision, could that possibly, do you think, change the calculation for the Bank of England? I don't think so significantly. Um, we've got interest rates at 1.75%, with inflation at over 10% and heading north of that. Um, different estimates uh, have it heading to at least 13%, perhaps further. It could be um, ameliorated by the government's uh, energy plan, but... Um, I think there's a need to get interest rates up to a higher level to keep a lid on those inflationary pressures and ensure that they don't get embedded in the economy. It, it does feel precarious to be lifting interest rates right now, considering we have the government about to embark on this spending, this energy policy plan. Deutsche Bank puts it at about £200 billion worth of guilt issuance that will need to happen as part of this. So you have this mix of interest rates going higher, more public spending. Does that dynamic worry you at all? Um, I think the the package on energy um, is something that uh, potentially could help the economy because it's going to take away some of these cost of living pressures. Um, And while there might be concern about putting more demand into the economy, the impact on um, inflationary pressures uh, could be uh, quite positive. So um, it, it doesn't necessarily take away the need for higher interest rates, but it might um, mean that we don't have to have interest rates going up so rapidly um, because of the cost of living pressures uh, feeding through into wages. Where would you see neutral rates approaching then if we have this calculation, given what we know so far about the energy package, which is, of course, not all of the detail? Well, the markets have been looking recently for rates to go up to around about 4% um, in the uh, first quarter of this of next year, sorry. Um, and I think that still remains a valid assessment. That's sort of roundabout where interest rates were um, before the global financial crisis. And um, it's not a super high level of interest rates, given what's happening to inflation. So I would expect the, the bank to continue to push interest rates in that direction. Whether they do it in sort of large steps or whether they do it more gradually, I think mm. that, that will be the judgment I think they'll be making at next, year's, uh, next week's meeting. 
I, I guess some of the concern in this market, again, is, is some of the language swirling around a concern of a balance of payments crisis. Can public finances support the planned spending at the moment when you have foreign investors fleeing gilt markets, when you have the pound as weak as it is? Well, I think it depends very much on um, the way in which this plan is presented and what it really amounts to. We haven't really seen um, you know, any proper figures. We're going to hear that from the Chancellor over the next few weeks, we're told. Um, but if it's seen as a, as a temporary thing to help the economy through a difficult time, I think public finances can cope with that. I think what the um, markets will be concerned about is if it somehow looks as if it's going to be a longer-term uh, addition to public borrowing that is going to be very difficult to reverse, and that will be the I think would, that would be the trigger for mm. for more concern and more perhaps more decline in sterling. Is that the clear message that Quasi Carting will need to lay out then when we do get the details of this? Is how the UK plans to manage that public debt? Yes, absolutely. Um, though the UK has a, you know, it's got quite a lot of borrowing capacity. Um, we saw that in the global financial crisis. Uh, we saw it in the pandemic. Um, if that is used sensibly to, to tide the economy through a difficult period, um, I think that's what uh, one of the things that government's borrowing there for is there for to act as a cushion. So. Um, I don't think that would be too alarming if, if as I say, it's, it turns out to be a more temporary uh, measure um, and doesn't turn out to be something uh, which is going to be um, hard to reverse. The other thing that I think the markets will be looking at is, of course, the um, agenda from Liz Truss uh, about uh, tax cuts. Mm. Um, and perhaps if there's a worry, it's that coming on top of this big energy package and the combined impact of the two. Does the government need to put an upper price limit on how much they're willing to spend on this energy plan? Well, the figures that are being bandied around are 100 to 150 billion pounds. Um, now, that's probably going to be spread. It's not all going to fall in one year. It's going to be spread over a number of years. Um, so um, it's not going to all impact on the public finances straight away. Um, so we're talking about perhaps half of that uh, in one year and then half of it in another year. Um, and then it begins to look a bit more reasonable. So um, I think we just have to wait to see the detail because we didn't really get any detail uh, in the statement that Liz Truss made. And then we've had the whole issue about dealing with the death of the Queen and the right. transition to King Charles. Yeah. And, you know, I, I do realize in, in some sense we are talking a lot of hypotheticals here. So I appreciate your patience with that. So let me throw another hypothetical at you, Andrew. I'm, I'm got to apologize. But, you know, you talked about sort of the concern is should we get tax cuts on top of this? What actually is the concern? What could happen? What are you fearful of if that's the dynamic we are facing? Well, I think it, it would be the uh, combined impact on demand um, of tax cuts plus this energy package. Um, and therefore providing a, quite a substantial stimulus on the consumer side of the economy. Now, some people would say, well, perhaps we need that type of stimulus uh, to keep the economy out of recession. But the other side of that is um, it's, it's potentially adding, adding to some of the inflationary pressures. And we have to remember that the inflation that we're seeing at the moment is not all 
down to energy prices or food prices or global factors. Um, there is a domestic element to it. And that's the thing that the Bank of England needs to be particularly mindful of. And that's one of the arguments for continuing to raise interest rates. It, the weak pound in all of this, how concerned should policymakers be? Is a weak pound good or bad for the economy at this stage? Well, I think in the current conjuncture, it's not particularly helpful because it's transmitting, um, adding to the uh, pressures that we're getting from the global economy. So anything that goes up in dollar terms um, over the last year or so has gone up about 14% more in sterling terms because that's been the depreciation um, of sterling against the dollar uh, since the beginning of this year. So um, I think the weakness of the pound is a concern. And that is another reason, I think, um, why the bank might continue to push up interest rates, because interest rates are rising in many other countries. And if we're the one, not, if we're the one that doesn't follow that pattern, then that's going to add to the weakness of sterling. Is there some degree, though, where weak sterling is helpful, considering we have a current account deficit and it would discourage bringing in, it would discourage imports and encourage exports given the weak pound. Is that helpful in any regard? Well, uh, one of the characteristics of the UK economy is our exports are not that price sensitive and they don't respond uh, very quickly or at all to change in the value of the pound because we export mainly high value manufacturers and services uh, and those things are not really very exchange rate sensitive. So even if there was some response um, from exports, it would be quite uh, long term uh, and wouldn't really necessarily help in the short term. I think the m more immediate concern should be the impact of the pound on import prices mm -hmm. and on inflation. Yeah, um, Stephen, what you just heard there was uh, Andrew giving me a macroeconomics lesson. <laughs> Much needed, might I add. Another story that we've been um, digesting over the weekend has been uh, Liz Truss's decision to remove Tom Scholar, the Permanent Secretary to the Treasury, uh, from his position. A, a big decision for a new Prime Minister to make. What does what What's your reaction to that, and what do you think it tells us about Liz Truss's leadership as Prime Minister? Well, I think she wants to signal a new direction in terms of economic policy. Um, and uh, I don't know what has gone on between Tom Scholar and Liz Truss and other members of her, her supporter group. Um, but um, there's obviously a feeling that he may not be the right person to carry forward the economic agenda that uh, she has in mind and Kwasi Kwarteng uh, will have in mind. Um, it is quite a different economic agenda um, to perhaps what we've seen before under uh, Rishi Sunak, who was quite cautious. Mm. Um, and uh, it looks like uh, Liz Truss and Kwasi Kwarteng may be prepared to take more risk, and that might include more borrowing in the short term. Um, their argument is that uh, they, want, they think economic growth is, has to be the to top objective, and uh, they want to uh, encourage that with various supply-side policies, including tax cuts and deregulation and uh, removing planning constraints. Um, and that's going to be their agenda, and maybe they feel that the the um, approach of Treasury officials in the past hasn't been very sympathetic to that. If you were if you were on the, if you were on the MPC today, would you be concerned about those sort of policies? I think the devil is in the detail with those supply side policies. Um, what what they um, really amount to in practice, uh, when it comes to tax 
cuts, as they're often described. I prefer to think of it as tax reform. Um, and if you can get successful tax reform, that can be very beneficial for the economy. But it, it takes a while to feed through. Similarly, with other um, easing of restrictions uh, that might be there, like regulations or planning constraints. Um, most of the experience in um, previous uh, supply side uh, changes has been they take perhaps up to five years to feed through into the economy perhaps even longer. So it's not going to necessarily have, have an immediate effect. I think the bank won't be worried if, if they, they lead to uh, much more demand stimulus, mm. whether that's going to compound the problem of infl inflation. You know, it, in addition to the ousting of the, this official, that there has been this sense that perhaps some of convention is done away with. I think of, for example, Kwasi Kwarteng meeting with Andrew Bailey. Now going, they're going to have weekly meetings. I mean, as an American, if you were to say, you know, the the Fed and you know Powell is going to have weekly meetings with Biden's team or Trump's team. I mean, there there would have been this massive uproar. Is there a concern about this breaking with tradition that it that it could lead to changes and perhaps challenge, for example, the independence of the BOE? Well, there's no harm in the the Treasury and uh, the bank getting together for meetings. I mean, they do it at various levels um, all the time. In fact, on certain issues, so. Um, that's not in itself a threat, but you make a good point about the in independence of the bank. If this is seen to compromise uh, the independence of the bank, uh, then that is a much a more serious issue. And, you know, it's down to the members of the Monetary Policy Committee to safeguard that independence and not to be um, influenced uh, by Treasury thinking in a, in a detailed way. Obviously, the bank has to take into account what the Treasury is planning on fiscal policy and other areas, um, but uh, there shouldn't be a direct influence. I used to joke when I was on the MPC that the Treasury representative, who has always sat in the Monetary Policy Committee meetings, used to sit closest to the door <laughs> so that, that the MPC could eject him uh, or her um, if, if they started making trouble. But normally... Did you ever have to? <laughs> no, we didn't. <laughs> I was going to say, I will note Andrew is sitting in the closest seat in the, the radio door, studio yeah. to the door at this moment. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but no normally, actually, the Treasury representatives on, uh, who attend the MPC and they don't vote or influence uh, decisions in any way try and contribute helpful information um, rather than influencing policy. Mm. We spoke to another former MPC member, Danny Blanchflower, a few weeks ago, and he told us that he thought that the bank should be cutting rates now and that it wasn't up to the MPC, essentially, to tackle this problem. This was need needed to be done by, by fiscal heavy lifting. Um, he also said that, he, you know, that could have sort of, the MP3 wasn't really any use in this situation because it takes so long for monetary policy decisions to, to feed into effect. Um, what's, what's your view on that? Well, I, I'm, I'm not sure I agree with that because um, actually the MPC has been rather slow in responding to this inflation surge. Um, and they made the first interest rate rise, which was only up to 0.25% at the end of last year when there was a case for doing it much earlier in the year. Um, and we might have seen a bit more impact uh, on inflation if they had started earlier. Um, we can't have a one-way street for monetary policy where monetary policy is always used to, to stimulate the economy. And there have to be times when um, monetary policy is used to put a brake on uh, inflation. 
and the inflation situation at the moment looks like such a time. Um, maybe we haven't had to do that very dramatically over the last decade or more since the global financial crisis. But if uh, the Bank of England is not prepared to act uh, when inflation is going up above 10% and higher, then their credibility, um, I think, will be seriously in doubt. How's the MPC caught up then if they were slow in responding? I don't think yet they've caught up, no. Um, as to say, I think we'll be heading for you know 3 to 4% interest rates as we go through this year and into to, um, uh, the beginning of next year. Um, that's the sort of level where you might expect to see more traction on inflation. And if some of the temporary factors feeding into inflation start to subside, um, then we could get into a more virtuous situation where interest rates have returned to more normal levels and uh, some of the temporary factors on inflation um, are easing. And I think that's the, the sort of uh, position that hmm. the MPC should be aiming to get towards. What, what level do you think is neutral in this economy? What level do you think that they should be targeting for rates? Well, it's very difficult to say because we've had such a long period of near zero interest rates. Um, and um, during that time, uh, I would say interest rates were artificially low. Um, and so it was very difficult to gauge what would be a normal level. Um, and I think they're going to, there has to be a period of discovery. Um, but it doesn't seem plausible to me that 1.75% is going to be uh, adequate to curb inflation in double digits. So it's got to be, I think, higher than where, where we are now. Where, we, where they will settle, I think, we will find out uh, as we go through the rest of the year and into next year. Bloomberg Daybreak Europe, weekday mornings at 6am on London DAB Digital Radio and on demand via the Bloomberg Business app and BloombergRadio.com. To address our new climate reality, the world needs radical solutions. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment, hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.